Come on, True Life, find your way back to your seats. We're going to jump into the message this morning. I know we cut down on the amount of time you're used to there in the greeting time. We've had to during the summer because movies start sooner and we've got to get out of the building quicker. So I apologize. We're changing things up on you. But hey, bring two coffees to your seat next week. All right. That way you've got a spare and you don't have to go back to the back of the room. And, uh, and it'll, it'll be that way throughout summer. So I just want to give you a heads up. That'll be the deal. We're going to jump into part two of Philippians this morning. And uh, come on, how many want to know the, the secret to having joy in your life? Don't you want that? Don't you want to have a little bit of joy in your life? And I'm just warning you, I broke a sweat during worship. That always means I'm going to preach like a man swatting bees. All right. So it's just going to. It's my uh, martial arts expertise coming out right there. Wasn't that awesome? Come on, that's how you, before you know any martial arts, that's what you do. You just, you know you're supposed to fight with your hands open. That's all you know. Karate. Hiya! All right. So, hey, um, hey, would you help me welcome anybody who's a first-time guest hanging out with us for the first time this morning? We're so glad you're here. Thanks for coming, hanging out with us. And I have a very special guest in the house. Now, listen, I got to tell you this because you all laugh at this. This is just me. I'm terrible at, at remembering things. If it's not in my notes... When I get up here, it's just like the, the switch goes on to preach and I forget stuff. Uh, so like in bold, in my notes, I, when I type my notes out this week, in bold, real big with explanation, ex, ex, whatever those are called. <laughs> Exclamation points. There you go. Um, I, I have a reminder to let everybody know I, my mom is in town visiting. She's sitting in the back right there. So would you all, her name is Norma and... If you love true life, hug her today. Thank her for not killing me because I deserved it. And, um, and, uh, and so made it here so that you could, you know, have a church to come to and all that good stuff. And so, uh, yeah, just, just hug her neck, say hello to her. Some of you were here last week. I shared a little bit of our, our story and our family and, and, uh, my stepdad. And so you can, you can give her a hug and, and let her know that, that, uh, you've been praying for our family. And we appreciate that, by the way, we really do. I know that a lot of you have prayed for us over the last couple of years. So she's here. I'm glad. I forgot when my in-laws were in town. So that's why I put it in here. Bold exclamation points. My wife is like, I can't believe you forgot them. Sorry, honey. So I got, I got this one. All right. So off to a better start. Hey, tonight, six o'clock life track 401 opportunity to come hang out and hear from uh, all of the different people who lead ministries in our church, you can find out who they are. Yeah, come on. That's a great bunch of people. And uh, so as you go through the process of becoming a part of the life of the church, you want to find out who leads different teams. It takes about an hour to come hang out with us and do that tonight. It's fun. It's a party kind of atmosphere. And then I want to remind all of our life team members that the fourth Sunday of every month, we get, to, we get there a half hour early. And uh, so if you serve in the, on the life team in any capacity, you can come at 530 and uh, eat some pizza, hang out, talk with uh, other members of the life team. And what we try to do is just share some of the things that are going on throughout the church so that we can celebrate together. You know, some of the guys we're in here on stage on a Sunday, we might not know that, that a, a little kid gave their heart to Jesus last week or, or what. And so we want to we hear those stories and share them with each other. So that's what we do. It's a really fun atmosphere. And even if you haven't started Life Track yet, you're more than welcome to come check out the 401. You'll probably end up repeating it. Uh, later on because the 401 is just that way it would make more sense to to do it again if that's your starting point but i do want to make a big push that next sunday is the fifth sunday so nothing happens 
except for a worship team audition. But in two weeks is the first Sunday of July. Am I getting that right? Yeah, first Sunday of July. And that means True Life 101. So if you're new to our church family, that is a great opportunity to come hang out. I teach that class and uh, we talk about how our church operates because no, no two churches are the same. Uh, we share some similar strategies with some other churches, but there's, there's our flavor, all right? So just like you go into Baskin-Robbins, there's all those flavors of ice cream. There's different flavors of churches, and God's designed it that way because there's all different types of people. And uh, he, he, come on, he put all the crazy ones right here. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm saying? He dropped them right here in this movie theater. You have to be, if you know what happens here at midnight on Saturday, you have to be crazy to do church here on Sunday. All right, so um, we're going to jump into part two of Philippians. Talk. We're working through each chapter of four-week series, four chapters in Philippians. Some of you are like, what happens at midnight on Saturday? It, yeah, Google it. All right, so uh, let me just talk about last week. We kind of set up the theme for the series in, in part one. And uh, talked about a couple big ideas, and, and we talked about the difference between happiness and joy. A lot of us are spending life chasing happiness, which can become very frustrating and, and ultimately can end with a lot of disappointment. But joy works differently. We don't have to let our, our circumstances define us. Come on, somebody. You know, if we let our circumstances define us, we'll never have joy. We'll never have peace. We'll never have happiness. Because uh, we'll just get frustrated all the time. Happiness comes from the world. It's inconsistent. Its circumstances change. But joy is found in Jesus Christ who never changes. Come on. So, so when you get it, when you get Jesus in your heart and you get attached to his supernatural joy, you have something inside of you that even though nothing else in your life can be consistent, that one, you just, you just know God's on the throne. And we talked about how that can change our perspective on life and we can have joy. So today we're going to look at the second chapter of Philippians. And I just want to real quick share a verse that's actually from chapter four that I think is a, a great theme verse for the whole series. I kind of joked about it last week because of this song we, we used to sing in my church growing up. And it's uh, Philippians 4, 4 says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice, rejoice. Come on, how many know it? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Oh, Tim got it. Where, where's, where are the rest of y'all at? Come on. I rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. This is so cheesy. I'm not doing this. All right. Can't believe you guys let me do that. Lead team. If you were paid, if you were paid, I'd dock your pay for letting me do that. All right. So come on. We can choose joy by choosing Jesus. Are you with me this morning? We can choose joy by choosing Christ. And when we choose joy... And I think it just kind of comes out of you. It, it goes from being an internal change inside of us to being an external expression in our lives. And, and it ought to be something that, that when things in our life don't seem to be making sense and people who don't have a relationship with Christ, people who are on the outside looking in, they ought to look at us and go, man, how, how are you so calm through the storms of life? How, is, how are you so consistent in what you believe? How do you keep having faith? In Jesus, even when things don't make sense, we're learning. Remember, I don't have a right to say this to you necessarily. You, you may have experienced some things in your life that are far worse than I have. But this is a prison epistle. This is a letter written by Paul while in a Roman prison awaiting death. And it's, it's a letter to his first European church plant where he says the word joy or rejoice over 16 times throughout the letter, throughout the book 
of Philippians. So we talked about last week all the crazy things that have happened to Paul. If anybody understood how to keep joy in the midst of changing circumstance and disappointment, it was the Apostle Paul. So I put up a social media post this week just to see what some of the responses would be. Don't worry, I won't put your names with any of these. Uh, But I was just thinking about some of the things that can bring us joy. And so I posted the question on social media. I said, tell me some things that bring joy in your life. And um, some of these are sad. <laughs> some, some are great. Um, but, but um, you know, somebody said, my, my, my pet, my dog, my cat, that, that brings me joy. And I get that. We used to have dogs. Then we had kids. And once you have kids, dogs don't bring you joy anymore. They bring you messes. <laughs> and messes are not joy. I mean, you got enough messes with diapers. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I was joking. My son, he is, I love him. He's cute and cuddly and wonderful, but he is a chemical weapon. I'm just telling you, he's, he's a chemical weapon. And uh, those diapers, mm-mm. no, we got grandma's in town. I'll let her change as many as she wants. All right. So somebody said, I love this one. Somebody said, serving in my sweet spot at church. I love finding my place, my gift. It just brings me joy to get involved and serve. Some people said accomplishing a project or reaching a goal, just knowing I finished something. A lot of people said family or having time with family or my spouse really brings me joy. And I, I get that. I, I totally get that. My, my wife brings me a ton of joy. Um, several people said this, and, and this is actually a pretty mature, spiritually mature response. Helping people or seeing joy in others really brings me joy. And uh, so I just thought this morning it'd be fun to talk to you. Um, you know, maybe you're newer to the church. Maybe you don't even know me that well. I thought it'd just be kind of fun to show you a few of the things that, that kind of bring me joy. And I was thinking through some of these things. And obviously my wife, uh, my kids, my family bring me great joy. In my house, if you would ever visit my house, uh, we're all about pictures, man. There are pictures everywhere. But one of my favorite uh, things, I've never actually even verbalized this, I don't think. One of the favorite places in my house is our stairway up to the second floor. And the entire wall along that stairway is just covered in pictures of our, like, like our family, me, my wife, and our kids. And just memories and things that we've done together. Now, we have pictures of extended family and grandparents and other places. But that wall, that's ours. That's our family. And uh, so pictures of our kids at all different ages. And, and my wife and I at Kansas City Chiefs game and... And uh, just all kinds of, come on, a wife that loves football, there ain't nothing hotter than that. Come on, somebody. Mm. I got to preach a whole message on that. You should see her in that red jersey. Oh, my. It's going to be date night again, baby. All right, so I'm allowed to get excited about my wife. Y'all just get over it. All right, so so it's just, I love that wall. It's one of my favorite places. In fact, I'll stop sometimes if, if the rest of the family's in bed or, or doing something else. I'll just, I'll take my time going up or down the stairs, um, partly because Kevin injured my knee, so I go slower, but, but uh, I, I, stop, I go slow on those stairs sometimes, and I just stop and, and look at some of, the, some of the pictures and just think through it. It just brings me a lot of joy. It's one of my favorite things in our house, um, hanging out with my kids. They got me that, I told you last week, that Father's Day mug. I was going to uh, bring you a picture of it, but, but it didn't work out. Um, and uh, just got pictures of me and my kids on the mug, and it says uh, "World's Best Dad." And and uh, I, like, I, if you weren't here last week, I'll just I'll inform you. My wife told me that that that's the authentic one, and I didn't know that because she said other people have stuff that says "World's Greatest Dad," but mine actually is. And so I'm grateful for that. I feel sorry for all you guys, but um, 
so it brings, I was thinking things that bring me joy, and I thought I'd show you some pictures, because one of the things that brings me joy, hold, just wait for me, Todd, is, is uh, it, it brings me great joy to know that, like, your clothing and your hairstyles can change throughout the years. So I thought I'd do a little throwback Sunday for you. So let's go back to, let's go back to 1991. Check, check this out. Look at this. There you go. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Look at that hair. What is happening? Hey, you married that baby. I don't know where you're at, but you married that. All right. So, and then let's go to the freshman year of high school when I was in the band. All right. Band geek. Come on. Let's, let's go to the next one. Yeah. Come on, somebody. Now my mom is here and I'm okay with you asking her on the way out why she let me out of the house dressed like that. What? What were you thinking? Is it awkward yet? All right. Let's go. Let's go a couple years further and actually there we go. Now we're into the we're into the sophomore year. Yeah, this is just scary. Um and then now we got to now you got to see. The, the, thank God things can change. Let's go to the senior pick. We got the you know you get the senior picks done. Look at that. Come on, come on, somebody. Thank God somebody introduced me to hair gel. You know what I'm saying? The white boy with a fro. That ain't right. All right, you can take them down. You can take them down, Todd. Come on, aren't you thankful that some things have changed through the years? Doesn't that bring you joy Amen. to know? And I was looking. What was up there? Did you do something else? Oh, you're just thankful. All right. I even looked at like some old baby pictures and I had the part to the side, you know, and I went and got my haircut not long ago and, and all the young people started telling me, you need to do the part to the side. And I was, I was like, but I'm not bald. I don't need to do that. And they were like, no, 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 it's, it's cool now. It's what you're supposed to do. So I'm trying. I'm, I've gone full circle. I'm back to where my mama started me coming, coming it to the side. That's how it used to be. I, I just brings me joy, man, that things can change. Things can get better uh, with time, with with season. I also, um, there, I, I love Kansas City Chiefs football, and so there's a, a specific person who brought me a lot of joy this last year. I thought I'd show you guys this guy. He's uh, he's brought me a lot of joy, and um, in, in fact, I, do we have any Eagles fans in the house? Anybody an Eagles fan? Okay, because I specifically this brought me some joy. I was going to show you right there. What's that? Oh, what's that? Three and zero after twenty six sixteen win. That was in your house, by the way, in in the link. I just, just thought I'd be like, I quit this church. I'm out of here. Thanks, Todd. Thanks. <laughs> Come on. Joy is great. Joy is great in our lives, but it's something we have to fight for. Amen? It's something we have to fight for because our culture is built to keep joy out of our lives. Just look at the events of, uh, of the last few weeks that have been on the news. I, we found out Bill and Hillary are, are broke. That was depressing. That was, I uh, felt really bad for them. Um, have you seen some of the news of, like, what's going on in Iraq? I mean, that's, like, it's just awful. I mean, I, I have to limit the amount of time that the news is on in my house just because it's depressing. It's to, our culture, our world is built to suck the joy out of us. Several, some of our people who are involved at, at Wilmington University, there's a horrible accident last week out on 13. A young man 
lost his life. Nobody can even make sense out. You know, there's just stuff that's constantly happening around us that if we're not prepared the right way, if our hearts, listen to me now, if our hearts aren't connected to the right things, if they're not set on Jesus, our circumstances will rob us of our joy. Did a little research on joy. Gallup did a poll uh, last year. They do this poll every year, actually, about happiness and and um, where there's the most joy in America. And uh, I couldn't believe this. Would you believe the happiest state in America? Now, they rate these, they use different things like income and, and uh, education levels and how happy people are with their jobs and and uh, all these different pieces that go into this. And the, the happiest state in America is North Dakota. What? So there is something there besides cattle. I just, I didn't know. I thought, I thought that's all that was there. But, but check this out. The happiest state in America on a scale of 0 to 100, just like a test you would take in school, guess what their score was? It was a 70.4. So the happiest state in America is getting a C minus. It's a C minus. And I think it's because our culture, our world doesn't understand the principle of joy. These are all based on external circumstances, things that are changing. By the way, the state of Delaware, we scored a 66.5. So we're a D plus. Maryland just slightly beat Delaware, so I'm sorry, Cecil County, for making fun of you, because apparently you're happier. You guys got a 67.2, so we're, we're, but we're deep, and we're, by the way, we're in the top half of, of all the states. Um, just, just so you know, because I just keep hearing about this one state a lot, um, this state where everybody thinks that they're supposed to go live when they get older. They scored a 66.2, so less than Delaware and Maryland. That's the state of Florida, by the way. Um, so a 66 point. Check this out. Bloomberg also did their own research, and they rated how miserable states are. So the number one most miserable place to live, apparently, is the state of Louisiana, um, which I, I, I mean, I could, I could get that. Unless you're in the Duck Dynasty clan. I could get that. Um, just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying Florida came in 12th. 12th most miserable place to live. Delaware 24. Maryland 33. I'm just saying. I'm just throwing it out there. That it's better to live in Delaware. Than Florida. Amen. Just saying. Because everybody's old down there. All they do is they, just, they move down there in time to die. I mean, it's just, that's all that's happening. All right. They go there to retire. <laughs> I'm just teasing. I'm teasing. Well, I could live with the Eagles joke, but now I'm out of here. All right. Check it out. All those things, all of those things measured on external circumstances. And I just think we need to remember that joy the joy of the Lord, the joy that God wants us to have has got to be internal. And I just, I think too many people, man, they try to change the circuit. If I just, if I, and I'm not poking fun at anybody now, if I just had the right job, if I, if I lived in the right place, if I, if I had the right family dynamics and, and we just think if we can get all the circumstances to line up, that we'll finally find some joy. And I'm just telling you, the problem with all that is, is that wherever you go, there you are. 
and until we understand how to get our lives connected to something eternal and supernatural and find some, Paul said, I've learned whatever the circumstances, how to be content. Can I preach a little bit this morning? Is that all right? So let's dive into Philippians chapter two, verse one. He says, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, I was trying to quote the scripture earlier today and I couldn't remember it. Any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in spirit, any affection and sympathy. Now, let me just pause for a second and tell you what Paul is. Remember, Paul's writing from prison. And he's writing to his very first church plant in Europe. And he's telling him, hey, he's basically saying, don't worry about me in prison. If you want to do anything to help me out, if there's any encouragement, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, here's what he says. Complete my joy by rescuing me from prison. No. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. In essence, here's what Paul is saying. You know what will bring me joy, church at Philippi? What will bring joy to my heart is when I know you're a healthy church. When you're healthy people and you found something eternal and supernatural in your life that you can connect to, when that happens, my joy will be complete. And if I could just have a selfish, sappy moment here, can I just tell you, that's my life. That is literally my world. You know what makes, what keeps me awake at night? And I was, I was talking to my mom about this when driving home from the airport because she flew in on the red eye like a 20-something. So we had to talk or we were going to crash at 11, 12 o'clock at night. And I was just talking about what we do as a family. And the thing, you know the thing that, that my mind will not shut off. It's constantly going, I wonder if that family's healthy. I wonder if so-and-so is, is going to burn out if they keep serving at that level. I wonder if, how, what about that? Why hasn't that family been to life track? What about this person? Are they really, are they really reaching their potential? Are they doing all the God? And it is just, it is constant. Because you know what? God is, the way he's wired me up is it brings me joy when I see people reach their full potential and do everything that God has called them to do. And that's, so Paul, he's displaying this, this pastor's heart here. And he's saying, hey, you want to you bring me some joy? Just be healthy. Be a healthy people. Be a healthy church. He demonstrates that heart by saying, my joy's complete when you're healthy. But then he goes on to say, there's some things that can rob us of our joy. There's some things that can kill the joy in our lives. And so what I want to do is I want to show you one scripture in three versions, because I think as we read this progression through these three translations, it's really going to drive home some things that can rob us of the joy in our lives, that can kill the joy in our lives. So let's go to Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. And let's read it in the ESV first, which, not that you care, it's the most accurate, uh, widely received as the most accurate word for word translations. That doesn't mean that has to be the version that you read. Don't get religious and freaky and stupid, all right? I actually read multiple translations just to get different perspective and see things different ways. But but it is probably the most accurate. All right, the ESV. So so it says, do nothing from. And I just underline these in your notes if you would. These two line, these two words here: selfish ambition or conceit. Because so we're going to talk about those two things in just a second. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Well, what's the other option? In humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. 
Now let's read it in the New Living Translation. Here's the difference. New Living is, you have, when you have Bible translations, you have what's known as word-for-word translations, which are, what they try to do is get as accurate as possible from the original word-to-word translations from the Hebrew and the Greek, all right? So English Standard is a word-for-word translation. Then you move across the spectrum, you get into what's known as more of a thought-for-thought translation, where they're trying to capture what's the idea of what's being said here, and we'll try to translate that in a way that, that people understand. And then the further you go, you get into paraphrase, which there's quite a bit of liberty taken with paraphrase, but we can learn some things there as well. That's where you find like the message, which we're also going to look at. So we're going to look at the whole, whole spectrum. So let's look at the New Living here. It says, don't be selfish. I could preach all day on those three words. Don't try to impress others. Okay, what's the other option? Be humble. Thinking of others as better. I love that as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Okay, one more, because I just want you to see the the big picture. We're going to look at the message, how it translates this. It says, I love this. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. So remember, selfish ambition and conceit, or, or as the NIV says, vain conceit. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. And, and, and I think those two things give us a clue as to the two primary ways that joy can be robbed from our lives. These are joy killers. And I, in your notes, I want you just to write it this way. If you're, if you're writing along, taking notes with us, here's the first one in the joy killers. It's living to impress living to impress and i just think if you go through life track with us we're going to take you through a discovery process and what we talk about there is that most people fall into one of two categories actually four broad categories but either you are someone who is task driven you like to work on a job and get stuff done or you are people oriented you're people driven relationship driven i I'm, the, I'm on the people side. There's nothing wrong with either one. Uh, there's a whole team of task-oriented people who show up really early and make sure we can have church. And if they weren't task-oriented, they'd still be standing in here talking with each other, and there would be no stage for me to stand on. All right, so God has gifted the kingdom with all these different kinds of people. But I think for those of us who lean to the task side, this tends to be the place that the enemy can rob us of our joy because we start living our lives to impress everyone with our capabilities. Look what I can do. Look what I can get done. Look what I accomplished. In fact, the, the living to impress temptation will lead us to a mindset of me, myself, and I. Maybe you've caught yourself saying this or been around someone who said this, but, but the living to impress crowd will frequently say things like, I'm going to get mine. I'm going to get what is mine out of this life. Show me. Oh, really? Are y'all that young that you don't know that line? Come on, show me the, yeah, that's the, I'm the, I'm the living to impress. Look at me. Look at me. I'm awesome. The living to impress crowd, they'll crack you up in a conversation because they will say things like, Man, I'm just really humble. And I'm always like, that's not something you have to tell people. (laughs) That's something people tell you. (laughs) 
to look at, look at me, check me out. All right, that's selfish ambition. What is vain conceit? Here's the second one in your notes. We can either live to impress or some of us are stuck living for applause. Living for applause. And I think those of us who are people-oriented, and this is where the category I fall into, this is where we can follow into a trap and be robbed of our joy. Because we get, this is something I've dealt with, we get caught up in something called approval addiction. Well, I didn't get enough pats on the back today, so there must not be anybody who likes me. I did get some hugs, man. Our whole life team hugged me today. All of them. They came and hug-tackled me. It was awesome. A little inappropriate, but it was awesome. So, so we just, we get, and I, I've, I've caught, I've even caught myself, man. Uh, after a, a Sunday, I'll, I'll call one of our, how'd it go today? How was the, I try to sound like, you know, I'll try, so do you think it was a good service today, man? You pumped? You know what on the inside is going is I'm going, please say yes, please say yes, please say yes, please say yes, please say yes. Just, it's just, it's just the way we're wired up. If we, but the enemy can use that to rob us of our joy. Our culture has grabbed onto this with this this mentality of you tried here's a trophy (laughs) it used to be you had to win now you just have to try (laughs) good job little johnny you struck out 24 times here you go here's a trophy you made more wind than anyone else all right You can see it in our, especially in the younger crowd in our culture. A bad day equals a social media cry for help. I feel awful. <laughs> Horrible day. I don't know what I'm going to do. And then here's the truth of what's honestly happening after that post. Refresh, 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 refresh. You're going to make it, buddy. Yay! Somebody noticed me. Refresh, refresh, refresh. Three likes. Refresh, 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 refresh. Because we need the instant validation, right? This is what happens when we don't find our validation in Christ and what he's called us to. We try to find our validation wherever we can find it. I'll post my opinion and see how long it takes for people to agree with me. I mean, come on, man. Really? When's the last time you just took that to the Lord and prayed about it? Maybe there's something in your heart he wants to work on. Thank you, Dan. (laughs) Here's how I know this is true. Check this out. The 2013 word of the year. Anybody want to take a guess what it was? Selfie, baby. So just so we all know what selfie is, I know we got multiple generations in the house, and I don't want anybody to think it's anything terrible. It can be inappropriate, but it's not always... A self-portrait usually taken with a handheld device at a downward angle. So this is is proper selfie technique right here. This is how you do it, all right? A self, that was the year, that was the word of the year in 2013. Personally, I think 2014, it's progressing. We'll see at the end, but I have a feeling at the end of 2014, the year, the word of the year will be photobomb because it's not enough to do a selfie anymore. Now you have to get in everybody else's picture too. So I think that'll be the the word of the year at the end of the year. California State University actually did research on this, on emerging trends in culture based on social media, and they came up with a name for it. Now, now I'm going to talk about this, and it's going to rub some of us the wrong way, and here's what I would 
encourage you to do. Don't be offended. Just check and see if the Holy Spirit's messing with you. And if he is, adjust your course. That's all God wants from us. Don't get mad. Don't get offended. But here's what California State University called this at the end of this research they did. They called it the selfie syndrome. And here's what they found was happening to our culture, our generation. And by the way, uh, I heard a guy say this. That we think of selfies as something that only young people do. But more than a quarter of all selfies taken were taken by people who were 40 and older. Hey, that's weird. Okay. Just stop it. If you're married, like, who's that for? Like, text that to your hut. Hey, honey, here's a smile for you today. That's who, why you, never mind. All right. Selfie syndrome. And what they found is there's actually a progression that takes place with people. And it starts here with what they call a preoccupation with self. I'm going to make up a word right now. I call it having a meistic mentality. Me first. Me first. A preoccupation with self. Then it moves to uh, taking on a mindset, a mentality of being above the rules. And I I just got to say, this is one of the hardest ones for me because part of my job as a pastor is to coach people and correct people. And there are times where I have to sit with people and say, hey, you are blowing it. You are making some bad choices and you may not see it now. I'm going to sound like an old guy who marched in snow uphill both ways to school. You may not see it now, but the consequences of these choices are going to wreck your life. You're going to live a life full of regret. And what's happening in our culture is more than ever, people are saying, I don't want to hear that. I reject that. I'm above the rules. I'm above the principles. And the problem with that is when we start to believe we're above the rules and above the principles of this earthly world, eventually we believe we're above the rules and the principles of a heavenly world, and we're way off track from who God has called us to be. Number three, an inability to take criticism. Number four, a refusal to take responsibility. It's someone else's fault. My, my, my parents never encouraged me while I was growing up. They didn't talk nice enough to me. They, they spanked me too often. L- listen, abuse is real. I, it happens. It's absolutely real. I lived it. I've, I've been there, okay? I know what verbal abuse looks like. I know what physical abuse looks like. I also know what the redeeming power of Jesus Christ looks like. And I don't have to stay there. I don't have to live there. And then finally, unilateral listening. And this is where, I'm guilty of this, this is where when we listen to people, we're not actually listening. We're just listening to gather enough information to prepare our response. In essence, here's the conclusion that California State came up with. And this frightens me a little bit. They said, we're becoming, this is their words, we are becoming a nation of narcissists. It's the selfie syndrome. Now, here's the thing. Living a selfish life is actually pretty natural. It is the default setting of your flesh. When you were born, you started growing up. The Bible says we were born into a world of sin and we were born sinners. And our default setting is to make a mess out of things and to try to serve ourselves and to put ourselves first. It is the natural state of your life left to itself. 
But come on, somebody, aren't you thankful that when you invited Jesus Christ into your heart, you no longer became subject to what is natural, but now you tapped into a different way of living, and the old is supposed to become new, and we're not natural anymore. We're supposed to live supernatural lives, lives that are above what's natural. You are not clapping as good as I'm preaching. I'm going to amen myself. Amen, Pastor Michael. That's good preaching. That's good preaching. Somebody give me a selfie. All right. In a relationship with Jesus, we should go above the natural. We should live a supernatural life. You say, how do I do that? Paul tells us, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11. Have this mind among yourselves. Now, in your notes, underline this next few words. Which is yours in Christ Jesus? Have this mind among you, among yourselves, which is yours. Everybody say, it's mine. What Paul is saying is if you've received Christ, if you're in relationship with Jesus Christ, you have access to the attitude and the mind of Christ. What? It's your, it's mine. Who? What's his attitude? What is the mind of Christ? Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that's above every other name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The mind of Christ is available to me. And if I make the mind and the attitude of Christ's mind, the end result is glorifying God the Father. Paul's saying that to develop joy is to have the mind and attitude of Jesus. And here's simply the key to joy. And then I'm going to develop this very quickly. Write it down. The key to joy is simply to develop a servant's heart. Oh, y'all don't want to amen that. But it really is. Develop a servant's heart. How do I do that? Michael, that doesn't sound easy. It's not. It is not easy. In fact, it's something you will work on the rest of your life. Because the temptation to go back to the natural life will always be there. And it's natural to put myself first, but I want to live supernatural. Are you with me this morning? How? How do I do that? Paul shows it to us in Philippians 2.12. Here's the first fill-in in in your notes on how to live with joy about ourselves. Number one, go all in with God. Go all in. Any poker players in the house? Not for money. Not for money. Come on. Come on. What do you, what do, you do when you, what do you do when you really think you're going to win? All in. You push all the chips to the middle of the table, and it feels like a risk. But can I tell you something? The results are already set. We win. Jesus wins. 
So let's go all in with God. Let's push it all to the middle of the table. Let's give him everything, our entire lives. Philippians 2.12, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. Work out, not underline that in your notes, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Paul is saying, hey, keep going. Keep working out your salvation. Michael, I'm, I don't think I'm where I should be. I, I, I think I'm kind of a mess. I've made some bad choices. You don't know how messed up. Paul doesn't say fix everything. He just says start working it out. Wherever you are right now, you can start working it out. In fact, those words to work it out actually are the same words that are used to describe mining for gold in the Greek. Start, so what am I doing? I'm going to start chipping away, digging away. Looking for the gold, looking for the jewel, looking for the prize that God has put in my life. It's already there. All I have to do is get myself in alignment with it. Keep going. It's okay. Just start working it out. Number two, take a genuine interest in others. So proud of a bunch of people in our church who gather together Friday night to have a meal and talk about how to help people connect in genuine relationship with each other. They'll lead a whole bunch of small groups that start up here in a couple weeks in our church. A brand new semester for summer. Great time to try out groups. Lasts for six weeks. I've heard some great things about this semester. We've got to, we're going to have a group about how you can live a rich life. How to be, come on, who wants to be rich? Anybody want to be rich? I want to be rich. So how to be rich. That's the, you said, sounds like there's a, there's a hook in there. No, promise. How to be rich. All right. <laughs> I heard we're going to have a motorcycle group. I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but that our cool our cool rating goes up 20 points automatically if we have a motorcycle group. Even if it's one guy riding around by himself, I'm still putting it on the website. We have a motorcycle group. It makes us cooler. Take a genuine interest in others. Get into some relationships. I think this is where the rubber meets the road. Because words do matter. Words mean something. But it's our actions that validate them. We've got to get interested in each other. Philippians 2.19, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by the news of you. For I have no one like him. Why? Why is Timothy so special? He's genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Paul's saying, out of all the people I pastor, of all the people I lead, I've really only got this one guy who doesn't put his own interests above everybody else's. He's genuinely interested in your welfare. How can I do that? Just real quick, you might want to write this on the side of your notes. Start with your sphere of influence. What is my sphere of influence? It's, you start with what, my people. My people. Family, close friends. For me, this is, this is family and this is like our lead team. I, I just have a heart and a passion for developing leaders. When I see people that have that potential in them, there's, I just I want to invest. I want to go for it. So it's my people. And I'm thankful that God has developed in me a true thankfulness and joy for that circle of people in my life. So you start with my people, then you go to my place. What is your place of work, your school? It's, that, it's the place that God has placed you. He's put you there to take a genuine interest in the people around you, not to complain about being there every day. Hello, somebody. And then our passion. So my people, my place, my passion. Because God made you with purpose. You need to know what it is. 
Here's what you can do to take an interest in people. Simply find a need and fill it. Find a hurt and heal it. Find a need and fill it. Find a hurt and heal it. When you, I just want to make you a promise that I've found to be true in my life. When you serve others, your problems get smaller. They just, they, they start to shrink. And it's because that's the way God designed it. That's how we start to get eternal perspective. It's how we start to get a heavenly perspective. When I serve others, my problems get smaller. And by the way, serving is not telling. There's a difference. Serving is not, hey, you need to, you need to do that. That's, that's not, there's a time for coaching and there's a time for counsel. But that's not always how we serve people. Sometimes we need to roll up our sleeves and get in the mess of somebody else's life along with them and help them walk it out. All right, here's the last one. Live a life of intentional relationships. How? Join a group. Get in a group. Join a small group. Did I mention groups? Have I said anything about groups this morning? You should be in a group. Small groups are important. Join a group. Philippians 2.25 I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. I like the way Paul describes his relationship with this friend. He calls him a fellow worker, a fellow soldier, and a brother. You need all three. You need somebody that you're doing life with. You need someone that you can serve next to. And you need some kingdom relationships that will remind you that this life is not about us. You want to have joy? You got to live a life beyond yourself. That's that's how Paul, in prison, writes a letter and mentions joy and rejoice 16, because he understood that it's bigger than him. It's so much bigger than him. Philippians 2, 14 and 15. Do all things without grumbling or or disputing. That you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Remember, this culture is made to rob us of joy. But we can choose joy. Why? Because we need to shine like lights. Can I make you a promise? It's in your notes this morning. If this is the only thing you get out of today, it'll be worth it. And here it is. It's as we humble ourselves, God exalts us. Humble ourselves and God exalts us. Can I, can I tell you, it, it might be possible that the secret to that promotion you're seeking and The attention you're craving is not to become better at self-promoting. It's possible that the secret is in getting lower. Considering others better than yourself. What if I intentionally place myself on the lowest rung of the ladder and treat everyone in my life as though they're better than me and let God work out the rest? Can I tell you? That's a powerful way to live. And there's joy there. It's real joy. It's a supernatural, supernatural way of living. Would you close your eyes this morning? All across the room. 
there are two groups of people that I just want to quickly talk to. And the first one is anyone who might be sitting in this room today who would say, I, I, I need that joy. I want that. The happiest state in America is a C minus. Michael, I'm, I'm straight up an F. I have no joy in my life. Can I tell you the starting point is very simple. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. Inviting him into our heart, asking for forgiveness of sin. And if that's you, and and while I'm talking even, maybe you just, you sense something in your heart, something tugging at you. That's the Holy Spirit. His job is to convince you of your need of a savior. And this morning, that's what he's doing. So if that's you this morning, you say, I want to begin a relationship with Jesus and get on a path that can lead me to a life of joy. Nobody looking around. I'm not going to call you forward or embarrass you, but I do want to know you're here. Would you just hold your hand up real quick? Say, hey, Michael, you're talking to me. That's me. 